Hey, great, great to have you. I want to say hi to my mom who watches. This is her favorite, one of her favorite weeks of the year when we do Rodeo Sunday. We talked yesterday. She said, you're doing Rodeo Sunday? I said, that's right. Mom, I bought a new shirt. And I said, don't you think that my beard goes well with Western wear? And she said, no, it's still ugly. And so... Uh, <laughs> So mom, this beard is for you. So all those watching online from Germany to Arkansas, all around the world, we're so glad that you're here up in Seattle. Man, we've got people all over the place in Africa watching us. So thank you for tuning in today. And then of course, our West End family there. I'm glad you're there visiting. If you're visiting, go by and see Abe. And then our Missouri City campus, I think Tanya's there today. So go by and see Tanya. I'll be down there next Sunday and I hope to meet you for sure. Well, we've been talking about fitness. And I thought I'd extend this series to this week just because what I realized is I talked through all the different things that we need to do to get fit in different areas of our life. I, I realized that being proactive um, isn't a neutral position, that we're all starting at a place typically that usually isn't a be our best place. And I'm so encouraged, quite frankly, by the reports. I got some this morning of people being proactive and going to their doctor. And I said, hey, you've never heard a pastor tell you to go get a colonoscopy? But yeah, you should go do that. If you're 45 or up, you should go do that. Or a mammogram, you should go get checked. Uh, your blood work, your physical, and get checked out. We've gotten reports over and over again of people discovering things in early stages that are treatable. We have a guy in our church named Mitch, who's just an awesome dude. He decided to go get checked out, and they found a really serious heart issue, and he was able to experience, uh, which isn't great, but a bypass surgery, but he didn't have a heart attack, he didn't die, and he caught it early, and we're praying for you, Mitch, I know you're watching online today, so we're praying for you, and we love you, thank you so much for going to get checked. I said, you could have just dropped dead. He goes, well, you, you're really encouraging, and uh, <laughs> But man, they, they caught it and he's doing great. And so listen, here's the thing though. We're all starting this journey toward fitness or health in a way that's really limping. We're, 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 we, we don't start from a neutral position. All of us are carrying wounds of some kind because life's hard. Life's hard for everybody. Nobody gets in, no matter what your income level is or everything else, life is hard. In fact, if life's not hard for you, you're not doing it right. I mean, there's something wrong with the way you're doing life because life is difficult. We live in a broken world. And so this idea of where God can bring us to a place of health, a place of wholeness, a place of healing is so important for you to understand in the context of your relationship with God. That if you don't get this piece of this, then you're going to miss really the beauty of following Jesus in a broken world. In fact, there's so many Psalms out there about this, but here's a couple of them. It says, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted. He saves those who are crushed in spirit. Now, if you've lived any length of time at all, you've, you've experienced being brokenhearted and crushed in spirit. And so that's kind of the idea. Here's another Psalm that talks about it. It says this. God heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. He determines the number of stars and calls them each by name, meaning God's powerful. He put the stars in place. He knows exactly what's going on here. Then he goes on to say, next slide, please. Is it froze? Okay, Get, great is our Lord. Great is our Lord and mighty in power. He understands, his understanding has no limits. The Lord sustains the humble and casts the wicked to the ground. So the idea is that God's with you in your suffering. 
God's with you in your difficulty. God's with you in your, um, in your wounds, in your disappointments, in your struggles. And so we've got to figure out how to do life in a broken world. And yet God's expectation and hope for us and provision for us is that we live a life of wholeness and of health. It's a serious affliction, this being brokenhearted. And most of us, quite frankly, are just trying to push through. That we're just trying to say, well, that was past and that time heals all wounds. And I'm telling you, time does not heal all wounds. That we've got to get serious and proactive. And here's what I want to tell you. I want to put the challenge on you. If you are suffering from a broken heart today, and we're going to talk about that just a little bit. If you're suffering from a broken heart, it's your responsibility to seek health. To seek, to seek wholeness, to seek God in the midst of your trouble, in the midst of your brokenheartedness. This is your responsibility. And so I'm going to encourage you today because if you don't, it doesn't just get better. In fact, Proverbs says it this way. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. So you just saying, hey, you know, this is no big deal. We're going to get through this. This is not the way it works. And there's three causes that I would categories which cause brokenheartedness. And maybe you can identify with one of these, okay? Um, maybe you can connect with this is where your struggle is. And here's the first category. The first category is desertion. Desertion. So you've been deserted in some way. That you've experienced rejection. That, that may, maybe started in high school, right? You couldn't sit at the cool people table. You weren't an athlete. You weren't a, this is my own story, so I'm just putting it out there as a third person. <laughs> Because I got to get through this issue, man. I got to work. You know, you were an athlete. You weren't a musician. You weren't in the honor society. You were in no man's land. You couldn't sit at the cool table. And you were a little chubby. That was me, okay? <laughs> and so it's like, man, I don't fit in. You know, you feel rejected. And, and then it kind of grows from there. Maybe it's worse. You didn't get into the college of choice. You didn't make the team you wanted. You didn't make the select ball. You didn't, you didn't, you didn't make honors, the, the business school. You, you, you had to settle somewhere. Or you, you didn't get the job you wanted. Or, 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 or worse than that, you, you got married and it didn't work out and you got deserted there. Or, 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 or maybe something else, you got laid off. Or, I mean, this is a big deal. You know, what, what causes your broken heart is a sense of rejection. And when we're rejected by other people, oftentimes it messes with our sense of value. It's like, these people don't call me, uh, count me valuable, and so they've rejected me. They've cast me aside. And it creates this wound in our heart. If you came from a divorced home, or your father wasn't around, or your mother wasn't around, this is a huge thing. It's like, you don't just get over that. It's a reality, but you learn to limp if you're not careful. So this is a big category of broken heart. And the second one is bereavement. You lose somebody close to you. A child, a, a parent, a friend. You know, and somebody close to you that shouldn't have died, died. And it was tragic. It was an accident or a suicide or something bad has happened. And all of a sudden, you're left picking up the pieces. And you wonder this, because we've seen it so many times. You wonder if life will ever be good again. Like, it will never be normal again. It will never be the way it was. And you wished so hard for just one more time, one more moment, one more, one more experience. And it's not going to happen. And you've had this bereavement. Now, the third category is a little surprising that causes a broken heart. It's extreme poverty. That's why we as a church care so much for the poor, those that have been marginalized, because when you're struggling every day to figure out how to eat or where to sleep, it creates a broken heartedness, a wound in your life that's so deep. Most of us have never really known that level of depth of pain, but many have. 
and you get it. If you're a single parent or if you've been out on the streets or you've been incarcerated and you had a hard time finding a job, you get this. Extreme poverty is such a thing. And these wounds are big. I was reading um, a quote from Charles Spurgeon this week. It says this about wounds. It says, it's not simply that we leaned upon a broken reed. Speaking of life and the brokenness of life. And that, that reed has snapped. That would be bad enough. But in the fall, we fell upon a thorn which pierced our hearts to the center. And that's what has happened. Sometimes from a very early age, we've, we've been pierced in our hearts and there's a difficulty that we face and we've just kind of learned to get through it. And time maybe eased the intensity of the pain that we forget about it from time to time, but it's always there. And God wants something so much more. This heart condition that we all have, this sadness, this wound that comes, God wants to heal that. Now, we know If we don't get healing, we'll just settle for feeling better. That's why we do some of the things that we do because we can't get get through it and we can't get over it. So we just want to feel better. So we numb it. We do that with food for me or alcohol or sex or busyness or shopping or gambling or something else. It's just about feeling better for a short period of time. But God wants so much more for us. He wants us to be healthy and whole, not perfect in any way, but he wants us to experience a thing that says, okay, this bad thing has happened. It's real. This is a real thing, but it doesn't disqualify you from a joyful, purposeful, significant life. It doesn't disqualify you from a good life, in fact. So how do we get through the wounds that this world inflicts upon us, when people inflict upon us? How do we get through it? Well, there's a couple things. Are y'all still with me? I've had so much coffee, and I had turkey leg early this morning just to get in the spirit of rodeo weekend. And man, I'm hyped up right now. And I love this, I, I love this idea because, um, you know, I grew up, uh, my, my mom was a single mom and did an amazing job, but my dad wasn't around. And so uh, my dad was a, an alcoholic. And uh, you, you know my story. You just don't get through that. That haunts you if you don't deal with it. And, and my story's not unique. Your story's like this. You, you got a story somewhere along the way when you're growing up and you didn't know any better, something happened to you. You get this. I, I, I get this. this is, my dad did the best he can. My mom really compensated so much for all that we lost in that. And, and so I, I understand this, and I've been through it. And I've paid a lot of money to get to where I am, okay? <laughs> Counseling is a beautiful thing. Uh, and I'm giving it to you for free. <laughs> and here's what I've learned. First, you've got to acknowledge the pain. You can't swallow the pain. You can't ignore the pain. You can't say, oh, wow, that's no big deal. It's a big deal. If it hurt, it's a big deal. You've got to acknowledge the pain. You've got you to tell somebody. You've got you to talk through it. See, see, our church, I love our church because we're a safe place to be in process. That You don't have to have arrived. That you can say, hey, I'm hurting. Church is a really hard place in general to be wounded. Because when people ask you, how you doing? Oh, brother, I'm blessed. 
Which I think is an okay answer because nobody wants Eeyore, you know? Nobody wants like, oh, well, it sucks. You know, <laughs> life's terrible. <laughs> and uh, thanks for asking again week after week. I get that. <laughs> but at some point with somebody you trust, a pastor, a counselor, a friend, your small group, you, you, you got to come to a place where you say, you know, life's not so good. I got this throbbing pain that keeps reoccurring in my life, and I, I got to tell somebody. I got to talk about it. You swallowing that is just a disaster waiting to happen. You, you're not talking about that. You're not acknowledging it. You living in the river in Egypt. You know where that is? Denial. Thank you so much. Yeah, <laughs> I'll be here all week. And uh, we're living in the river in Egypt. You know, it's like denial. Oh, it's not that big a deal. As if we could say it's not a big deal makes it not a big deal. It is a big deal. And you acknowledging it brings it into the light so that you can deal with it. It's important. In fact, in fact that's what, what we're about, like encouraging one another in the midst. We're all the same. Nobody's got it worse than the other. We all got trouble. Some of the things that you've experienced are traumatic and unbelievable, and I get that, and I didn't experience all that you experienced and vice versa, but together we can understand wounds and hurts. That's why Paul says it this way, therefore, encourage one another. That's what the church is about. You come together so that we can encourage one another and build each other up just as, in fact, you are doing. Like, like That's why small groups are important or serving is important or being a part of the group. That's why, listen, here's what I'm saying. I hate to say this. Ah! It's the rodeo in me. That's why staying at home and watching this online, because it's convenient for you, cheats the rest of us. Because I need you to encourage me, and I need to encourage you. And I don't know where you live. <laughs> and so you say, well, we just like staying in our pajamas and sipping our hot cocoa and watching you online. Dude, I'd like a hug. Bring me a pie. <laughs> you know, do something. You know, you stay. That's the thing we forget. This ain't about a content dump that you can get on the internet. This is about you connecting with a fellowship of believers that you can stand with during difficult times. This is about a group of people that comes together in difficult times to say, I love you, and I'm with you, and you're not going to suffer alone. And I'm going to show up and cut your grass, and I'm going to bring you that pie, and I'm going to pray for you like crazy, and you're not going to be left alone. See, that's what the church is all about. And, you, and I, I, I'm just harping on this. Listen, you staying at home cheats the rest of us. Now, I know some of you are far away and all that stuff, or some of you are sick and can't come. You don't feel good about it. I get it. This isn't about you anymore. This is about encouraging one another. So you've got to acknowledge this. You've got to tell somebody. You've got to encourage each other. I feel like an agenda. Is everybody on edge now? It's like, I'm never watching this online again. I'm going to turn over to Lakewood. Hey, hey, hey. They're real positive over there. <laughs> He'll just tell me I'm doing great. So anyway, <laughs> this ain't gonna be on the internet, is it? <laughs> I'm Joe Osteen knocking at my door. Hey, Patrick, come out here. We're gonna fight. <laughs> I gotta get off the coffee. Seriously, <laughs> no idea what I'm doing anymore. Okay, here's the second thing we're gonna do. We're gonna remember the truth. 
We're going to remember the truth. When you're in a crisis, you forget. You just totally forget. You forget. You, you feel like, oh my gosh, God has fallen asleep on me. When you're in a crisis and it's a tremendous cry, you forget. And you got to remember, and that's why we need each other, because you got to remember, God knows about your problem. He knows about your pain. He knows about your loss. He knows about your trouble. And he's there with you. You got to remember, God loves me. God's going to care for me. God's my heavenly father. He's not going to abandon me. He'll never leave me or forsake me. He's going to stick closer than a brother. God's going to provide for me. That's what God's going to do. I don't feel like he is, but he's going to. You see, and all of a sudden you start going, oh, I'm going to remember, I'm going to remember, I'm going to remember time after time after time how God's come through for me. I'm going to remember. You got to be purposeful in this. And the third thing is this, and this is the hardest part, you got to forgive people. Because your wounds are at the hands of somebody else that wounded you most likely. And forgiving is hard. It's not forgetting. It's not ignoring. It's not just some words, oh, I forgive you. It's no big deal. It's not that. It's that. It's letting go of, the, of holding somebody accountable for the wound they created in you. Giving that accountability to God. Say, okay, God, this person hurt me. So I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you this person. You deal with them as you, that's what forgiveness is. Uh, they've wounded me and you know this. I'm going to forgive them by giving you the debt they owe me and you deal with them as you will. And so, and you can say, this is okay for God. God understands this. You can say, and you can deal graciously with them or you can hit them with a bolt of lightning. It's up to you, God. <laughs> Whatever you want to do, you just do that, right? Now, if you're mad at God, that's hard to do. But that's the ideal. God wants you to forgive. God wants you to, to move into a place where you say, I'm not going to hold this against you. And you have, listen, all of us, you know, you have people in your life that you need to forgive. And give them over to God. And you know this is when they walk in the room after 10 or 15 years and that thing still happens in your heart. I remember early on, I was a young pastor here at the church, and a guy walks up to me and, and says, I didn't like your sermon at all. I said, well, bless you, brother. <laughs> and they left. We're leaving the church. I didn't like your sermon at all. About 10 years later, I didn't think about it for like 10 years. 10 years later, the guy shows up. Man, that whole, it's like, I got teleported back to 10 years ago. I've been waiting 10 years to tell you this. I didn't like my sermon either. You know, it's like, I'm trying as hard as I can, brother. I, I'm limping around. It's like, oh man, I got, I'm holding this against this guy. I, got, I can't hold it against this guy. I'll give this to God. And so I did. I said, God, this guy wounded me 10 years ago. I didn't know I was, had a problem. Now I got a problem. So you take care. And you just, and may he find another church. <laughs> just another, just some other church. He's still here. Anyway, so. <laughs> see, that, that's the deal. So here's, how do we know we're getting better? I got to finish this. How do we know we're getting better? First of all, you're able to help other people. You see, God doesn't waste your pain or your process or your journey. That when God brings some wholeness, the way you know you're getting better is you can take that and leverage it to help somebody else going through the same thing. You know, when somebody's going through something and you're able to walk up to them and say, hey man, I know what you're going through. And it means something to you. 
And you also know when somebody walks up to you and says, I know what you're going through, and you go, in your mind, you don't know what I'm going through. You're 12. I mean, come on. You don't know what I'm going through. It's almost offensive. But when you got cancer and somebody who survived cancer walks up to you, puts their arm around you and says, I know what you're going through. You get it. You, you know they know. Or a divorce. Or the loss of a child. Or the fact that you can't get pregnant. Or the loss of a job. Or the loss of a marriage. Or the... And all of a sudden, see, that's why we need each other. Is because, man, there's journeys and, and there's, there's healing that's happened in our churches on three campuses. And, and man, when, we, when somebody falls, there's there somebody to pick them up and say, I know what you've been through. I didn't have a dad either. I know what you've been through. I've, I've survived this myself. I know what you've been through. I was abused as a child. And I'm going to be with you. And I'm going to stand with you. And somehow, through the miracle of the Holy Spirit, God brings healing into your life. And it's powerful. You realize, because this is what happens. This is what happens when we get hurt. We feel isolated. And when somebody comes into your life and says, I know what it's like to have a Down syndrome child. Or I know what it's like to have a special needs sibling. And all of a sudden, you feel like, oh, thank you, Jesus. I'm not alone. I'm not alone. I'm not alone in this. I'm so thankful for a guy named Richard Rogers in our church. Years ago, he lost a daughter in a car wreck. I did the funeral. I'll never forget it. Man, they were a wreck. They were just tore up. And Richard leveraged his pain and started Grief Share at our church. And over the last 10 years, I think it's been, he's helped so many people who has lost a loved one. Same is true with Eddie Stanley and our divorce recovery ministry, our cancer care ministry. See, all that is about the church coming together. Paul says it this way in 2 Corinthians. There, praise be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus, the Father of compassion, and the God of all comfort, that's what we need, who comforts us in all our troubles. Why? Why does God comfort us? So that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort that we, resell, we ourselves have received from God. So you're able to listen. When you're wounded or hurt or devastated by some sort of loss, you're not thinking straight. And for somebody to come up into your life and go, listen, man, God's going to get you through. God's going to show up where you're hurting. God's going to heal your wounds. God's with us. You believe him. And comfort, and all of a sudden, listen, this doesn't make it worth it, but it helps to know that your pain is not wasted, and there's purpose in it, and it's not about just you getting healthy, it's about you helping other people get healthy. So, so you got to help others with your pain. Like if you've gone through something, find somebody with the same problem. You go knock on their door. And you say, I, you don't know me, but I heard you're sick. And I was sick. And I brought you some coffee or tea or a pie. Lemon meringue. <laughs> and I want you to know I care about you. I just want you to know you can't fix them. You can't, you can't, you can't take away their trouble. 
but you can be present in it. See, that's what's powerful. And many of us, including myself, have gone through stuff with our kids. And somebody showed up and said, yeah, my child was like that. Let me tell you what we did. I'm just looking for answers. It's like, thank you. So you're able to help others. Here's the last thing. You know you're getting better when you can see your faith grow. You know, see, God doesn't grow us in the good times. It's the bad times when we cling to whatever we trust in. And if we trust in the Lord with all of our heart and lean not on our understanding, we grow in our faith. When, when we come to a place in our life when we're struggling and we're wounded and we go to God, God gets us through. That's why we like this Psalm, Psalm 23, especially this part. It says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. You're with me, God, and your rod and your staff, will they comfort me? You've got to go through the valley of shadow of death to experience the goodness of this verse. You're not going to do it when you're riding high, when things are good, when life is good. Listen, if life is good for you, hang on. It's going to change. And the church is going to be there for you. The people of God are going to show up and hug your neck, grab your hand, and help you. And your faith in God is going to grow, and your dependence on God is going to grow. And you're going to say this one day, because I've said it many times, man, I don't ever want to go through that again, but thank God I did, because it's created in me a clean heart. It's created in me a faith in God that's deeper than I ever could imagine. I've trusted the Lord in deeper and deeper ways. I didn't want this. I didn't get a vote on this. It just came into my life. But through it, God has made me. So when you find yourself, listen, when you find yourself at a place. Listen to me now. This is good. When you find yourself at a place when you're saying this, what are we going to do? And you're wringing your hands and you go, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? What are we going to do? Oh, what are we going to do? You trust in the Lord. You take a step toward heaven. You say to God, God, I don't know what to do, but I'm going to trust in you. I'm going to depend on you. I'm going to hope in you. And I don't know what you're going to do, but whether you give or take away, you're good to me, God. And I'm going to believe in you. Then I'm going to trust in you. Then you're purposeful and you're meaningful. And all of a sudden, you just fake it till you make it. You just get up and go, this is all I know is true. God is with me. I don't know what's going to happen, but God is with me. That's why James says it this way. Consider it all joy, my brother, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. I didn't ask for endurance. You ever thought about that? I like the endurance level I've got. I didn't ask for endurance. But God seems to think I need some. I'm reminded of that as I train for the 5K. <laughs> I'm now not puking after two miles, so I'm in a good place, you know? My endurance is getting better. And that's what you need. You didn't ask for endurance. You need it. Because you know why? The trouble that's coming, oh, I can't tell you that. Let me just go here. It's, it may be harder than the trouble you've been through. And the level of faith you need for tomorrow may not be the level of faith you have today. God knows what's coming. And he knows where you are. 
And he's getting you ready. And me ready to endure. I don't want to endure. Survival's good for me. I'll just hang on. God goes, no, I want you to have a joy unspeakable. I want you to have a life of abundance. I want you to figure out what it means to follow me in the tough times. I want you to know what it like, it's like to go through the valley of the shadow of death and experience me in a personal and real way, not a religious way. And I, I want you to have endurance. Why? Because we want to let that endurance have its perfect result that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. That's what we want. We don't want to lack anything, especially during difficult times. Jesus said it this way. Jesus said, I've told you these things so that in me, in me, you may have peace. In the world, you're going to have trouble. But take courage. Because in me, you're going to have peace. So take courage. Because I have overcome the world. So if you're looking for God just to rearrange your circumstances, to have peace, you're going to miss Jesus in the whole mix of the thing. God wants you to find your peace, even though you're going through the valley of the shadow of death, in him. I don't know how you do that. You figure that out. You, you run to him. You cling to him. You pray to him. You talk to him. You surrender to him. You believe in him in a way that you've never done before because in him, I'm going to get my peace. Listen, it all doesn't have to work out for you to have joy. It doesn't all have to work out for you to have happiness. And it doesn't have to all have work out for you to have peace. Your circumstances don't have to be perfectly aligned. And some of us are mad at God because things didn't work out the way they were supposed to work out. And God's going, I don't want you to find your peace in this world or in your circumstances. I want you to find your peace in me. And every time something goes wrong and we experience a wound, God is there. We got some healing to do. Maybe the reason you're so angry or depressed or addicted is because you haven't dealt with the wound that you didn't get to vote on. You're responsible for your healing even though it wasn't your fault as to what happened. You're responsible. And if you don't find healing God's providing, that's on you. And you got to do some hard work. I do too. And we got to figure out how not just to limp through life, but to find real joy and happiness. And we're all in this together. And we need each other. And that's where healing comes from. So I hope we are fit indeed through the difficult times of life. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, we thank you so much for loving us. That you knew that in this world we would have trouble. But we've somehow figured out that clinging to you and hoping in you gives us courage that you've overcome the world. That our final destination isn't here on this broken world. That there is a heaven, a perfect place where there will be no more suffering or loss or cancer or suicide or car wrecks. And we're grateful indeed for that future. But until then, God, would you teach us how to have peace in you? And as you pray right now at all three of our campuses, would you just give that problem to God? Just acknowledge it, that pain, that throbbing pain. Maybe you're single and you want to get married, or maybe you're married and you want to be single. I don't know what's going on. But as you pray, would you just give that to God? 
Father in heaven, we thank you for loving us and providing for us peace in a broken place. In Jesus' name, amen.